welcome to episode 64 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we'll be continuing our recap of season three of Avatar The Last Airbender with episodes 314 and 315, The Boiling Rock Parts 1 and 2. As always, here's our long scare spoiler warning. It's going to get even longer as we continue through this universe. Uh, spoiler warning for both Avatar Universe TV shows, the Kiyoshi novels, Guitar and the Pirate Silver, and Suki Alone. Andre, how are we doing this week? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. It's getting real chilly. And honestly, is it me or has November literally like really zoomed by yeah. this time around? I mean, like, I remember I was talking like people like I was talking at work the other day and I was like, they're like, yeah, like, you know, when are you going home for Thanksgiving? I'm like, oh, you know, probably like the Tuesday before. So next Tuesday. Oh, it is next Tuesday. Or at this point when like yeah. this episode will be released, I will be driving home. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Oh my god! Like I felt like October was was so long. Yeah, this but this away. one is like I feel like it just started November, but I guess like the universe is like we got to get to Christmas. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm fine with that. Like, you know, oh god. I'm excited for Thanksgiving. Are you a, a Thanksgiving kind of person? I'm excited more about like the fam. I mean, I'm excited to see some of my family because now it's safer for us to be together. I mean, it's still not you know right. It's yeah, barring all the like the problematic cultural implications of Thanksgiving, do you like yeah. getting together with your family at least? I do like getting together with my family at this time of year. Um, and also it just makes me so much better because my younger cousins can now get vaccinated. They just got their first doses recently, so they will be at least partially oh, vaccinated, which is such a huge relief for me. Um, yeah. And all of the, you know, basically anyone who's eligible to get vaccinated at this point is vaccinated in my family, which just makes it all the more That's better. And it's going to make this Thanksgiving yeah. all the more sweet because we didn't get to see each other last year you know yeah so. that's good yeah same fun. here i think everyone that's coming um is at least as fully vaccinated so um we're, we're able to have a couple more people that we weren't able to last year but that's good yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it i i like thanksgiving just because i like you know uh everyone come together to eat like mounds of delicious food and we're also we're also like super big on um like card games and shit oh, after we that. eat and that's always like pretty chaotic. At some point, someone breaks out cards against humanity. Oh God, um, that would never fly in my family with my Roman Catholic <laughs> grandmother watching. <laughs> oh no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> oh my God. But one of my favorite traditions, I think I might've mentioned on the podcast, but since we've gotten a bunch of new listeners since last Thanksgiving, um, we have this annual tradition of uh, Phyllis. The name of the, we have our one of our desserts besides pie is this giant chocolate hollow turkey like chocolate sculpture of a turkey and we mm. name it phyllis because phyllis will fill us haha <laughs> jokes uh but <laughs> we have to but like now we've made it an annual tradition where all of the grandkids uh take a whack at it with the, the little mallet they have and like try to see how much you can take off of it to break it open um and wow. there's an excellent video of me going for the head and <laughs> i always go for the head avengers reference nice <laughs> But nice. yeah, so that's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm excited to bring that back again. Um, and then I get to go on vacation after Thanksgiving, which I am. Yeah, so what are you doing about. on vacation? Yeah, so it's like a delayed graduate. It's like a late graduation gift from my dad and stepmom, and I'm going out to Key West, which I am super excited about for a few days. I get to mm. enjoy some nice warm weather and all that good stuff. And one of my things I'm really excited about is that I'm going to get a tattoo while I'm out there. And what's even better is that my dad and stepmom are also getting tattooed while we're out there. <laughs> They're getting okay. matching tattoos, which is adorable. 
cool. But Aww. since it was very much in theme with the podcast, I'm going to tell you all what I'm going to get. I'm going to be getting a, an avatar themed tattoo, more specifically, Korasami tattoo. So, oh, love that. Oh, I'm so excited. So I sent, I've been messaging back and forth with uh, the highest rated tattoo parlor in the US, according to Yelp. Uh, <laughs> and they said, yeah, we can totally make that happen. So I'm going to be getting uh, the. Korasami like handhold so there's they're just going to get their two hands with like the red uh -huh. and the you know blue sleeves you know it's Kora and Asami and the green mm -hmm. background of the spirit portal it's very simple but it gets the point Aww. across and it yeah obviously has a lot of meaning to me uh, as a queer avatar fan so I'm really excited to have that be my first tattoo so that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. I can't wait to see how that turns out. Me too. There's definitely going to be plenty of pictures for sure. <laughs> I would love it. If we're still doing like this podcast like years from now and somehow made it like a full-time job, I would like in a heartbeat give an Avatar Hour podcast like tattoo. Like of I the would logo. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. I would absolutely love that. We get matching that. tattoos together. Like, yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> that'd be a Patreon exclusive. We'll, <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let the patrons vote. <laughs> Whether or not we should do it in like years to come. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they can pull a lottery and whoever wins will actually be the one tattooing us. Uh... <laughs> All right. We got some news this week because whenever like whenever like, I, I literally, as I say, every time when we have a slow news day, it's like, oh, it's going to next thing you know, it's going to have like all of the all the news happens when after yes. we have no news. So what's our news this week? Because we have plenty. So we have more live action series news. Iroh, General Zhao, and Monkey Yatsu have all been cast in the Netflix live action series. Paul Soon Young Lee, uh, who was from Kin Convenience and The Mandalorian. What I don't know what what part he played in The Mandalorian. He was so he was one of the X Wing pilots in the uh episode oh, where it's coming to me. Yeah. It's that goatee. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's playing Iroh, which I was really psyched about. I think he's gonna do a wonderful job. Um just just from appearance alone, I think he definitely captures like the vibe of Iroh. And I, I definitely think it's a miles better than what the fuck they were doing in The Last Airbender. <laughs> yeah. Super excited for that. Lim Kesu uh, will be playing Gyatso, another great cast. And then Ken Leung will be playing Grand Admiral Douchebag, aka Zhao. I'm just going to have to wait and see this. I, I trust that this guy is, is an amazing, amazing actor, but you know me, my favorite, my famous quote of Zhao is the only white person in Atla. So it's like hard for me to like see him as Zhao. I don't know if they're going to go full sideburns. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Oh God, those fucking sideburns. Ugh. But yeah, again, Netflix continues to nail this casting. I've advanced from cautiously optimistic to medium optimistic. There you go. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel the same. I don't know if casting news will be able to get me to full optimistic. Uh, I think I'm going to have to wait and see a trailer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, speaking of a trailer, filming apparently started on November 16th. So I was right last week because you mentioned that, um, that, you know, that like, oh God, what's, his, what's the They're starting shooting. Like they started like, because he was testing. Oh God, who's playing Ozai? I can't Daniel remember. Day, Daniel, Daniel Day Kim, Kim was yeah, trying yeah. on the wig for Ozai. So like, I was like, either filming has started already or it's going to be starting soon so i was right yay <laughs> and there was a great like i don't know if you saw it but there was a great behind the scenes picture with um all the cast together yeah it was a really cute picture i'm yeah. excited like i'm i was excited to see the cast all together in the same space you know yeah um and apparently they're also so if anyone's seen the mandalorian or like the behind the scenes of the mandalorian they're using a similar like set style to 
the Mandalorian. Oh, are they? Yeah. So in oh. I, it's kind of hard to describe. So if you watch the Mandalorian behind the scenes on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. you could they use like it's a way to use visual effects in real time. So for example, if there's like, um, you know, like the shot they need to have the shadow of this gigantic monster or something, they have this screen by the actor that makes mm-hmm. the shadow kind of appear on their face, it makes it more realistic and easier to add in VFX later. I know exactly so, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's it's basically... So it for people who might not know. Yeah, if you, you know. watch The Mandalorian, basically all of those, like, outside settings are being shot, like, with a screen. It's like a 40K screen or something. Like, the LEDs are, like, completely, like, off the charts. But it gives it, like, a hyper-realistic visual for the actors to kind of, like, put themselves in. And it kind of, like, surrounds them. That's really... I didn't know they were going to be using that. That was in the article that I read from People, I think it was, or Entertainment Weekly, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they're using that because it's super realistic and miles better than green screen. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Hmm. That's going to be really cool. But, yeah. But now that filming started, I think it's safe to say we're going to see a trailer sometime next year. I don't imagine... If they are using that technique, I don't imagine the shooting to be longer than... I don't know, like six months or something. I don't know how much on location stuff they're doing. I know there was rumors that they're going to film in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, Vancouver is like the Hollywood of the North, as it's been called, because there's a lot of things that are filmed out there. Yeah. Like a lot of, I know a lot of the CW shows are filmed out there, which is a terrible comparison, but it's just the only thing I can think of. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think we'll, we'll probably get it within the year, like a year from now. I definitely think at least like a, a, a teaser to see like what everything's gonna look like yeah you know so i'm gonna be really mad if if they release the trailer while we're on hiatus <laughs> um well they'll have to do an emergency episode we'll have to do an emergency Avatar episode yeah studios announcement so yeah exactly you can handle it yeah. I mean, we record our podcast virtually all the time anyway like we literally haven't seen each other in person in two like what two years now yeah the last time we saw it in person was... Was it Dorian? Or was it no, after it was it the was, podcast recording it was, that I did with yeah, you? Yeah, it was like January 2020. Okay. Yeah. So it's been almost two years since we last seen each other in person. So if we need to do yeah. an emergency episode, this can be set up real fucking fast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I want people... I want to give the illusion that we're in the same room, just audio-wise. Well, I, I think we're doing a good job yeah. with that. With, you know, the, pain, the, the painstakingly process uh, that we have of making sure everything's set up <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. as in i test 10 minutes before we get on zoom <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness and we have we have another bit of news don't we we have a small bit of news here um super groupies has introduced an avatar the last airbender collection and this collection includes a lineup of watches uh backpacks and keychains and i looked at all the pictures I've, i don't think i sent you the link Kayla, but I looked at all the pictures and the stuff they have is like gorgeous. Ooh. Like it's all like four elements themed so you can pick your element. Um, the colors they've chosen is like absolutely gorgeous. And it's all available for pre-order right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go to their website, supergroovies.com, this sounds sponsored. It's not. They they have stuff available for pre-order. So definitely go check that out if you want some Avatar swag. But yeah, but those were our news items. Oh my goodness! But I am ready to talk about these two episodes. Like same. I know I say it on the. I know I say it a lot, but like I always forget how good some of these episodes are. I think these are the the two episodes that I've seen probably the most out of any of the episodes in the entire series. Really? Yeah, yeah. It, it used to be like a, a favorite of mine. Is it? I mean, it still it still is, yeah. I don't know why. I guess it's just so different from everything else. Yeah, and it like, like really stands out with like the color palette and everything. Yeah, and also like the um, maybe get like 
one or two lines from Aang the entire episode, mm. these two episodes. Yes. Like it's all focused on Zuko and Sokka's dynamic, you know, and then we'll talk more about it. Let's get into it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So 314, The Boiling Rock, Part 1. The episode opens with everybody actually relaxing for a change um, while Zuko serves him some tea and some bad tea-related jokes. He tries so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sokka pulls Zuko aside and asks where Zuko thinks fire issue criminals and war prisoners would be in prison. Um, at first, he refuses to tell him knowing that because knowing will only make Sokka feel worse than he already does. Until Sokka states that he is concerned for what happened to his father after the invasion. Zuko relents and tells him that Hakoda would most likely be held at the Boiling Rock, a prison in the center of a volcano that is located in the ocean. Zuko is suspicious, but Sokka promises him he is not planning anything until the middle of the night. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah. In the middle of the (laughs) night, Sokka tries to sneak out on Appa, uh, but finds Zuko waiting in the saddle. Sokka explains to Zuko that the invasion plan was his idea and it failed, causing his father and many others to be captured and jailed by the Fire Nation. To Sokka's surprise, Zuko decides to go along with him and suggests they use the war balloon that he stole to get to the prison. This is like the second life-changing field trip of... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and, and, yeah, and I love the fact that we're doing life-changing field trips as a way to like get more of Zuko with the group dynamic because I think except we don't we don't get one with Toph though so I hope that they at least got on one life changing field trip with Toph. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if they just ran out of episodes or that something I, else I came probably, up that they wanted to yeah. do. I don't know. I maybe the Ember Islanders was like an episode that they had planned for a while. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I think I think it's the, the right way to go because I think this the writers realized oh. Like, Zuko's in the group, but we only have, like, nine episodes left of the season. So we gotta, like, you know, really make sure that his dynamic with the group is really cemented by the time we get to the four-part finale. And, and it works. He works really well with it the group. It really works. He he has, like, a really great dynamic, and they're slightly different. Which I love. I love that they all have different relationships with Zuko and, like, each of the episodes with the life-changing field trips. Uh, like. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, at least with Aang and Sokka, I think it has a lot to do with age. Like, Aang and Zuko's dynamic was like the little brother big brother dynamic this with zuko and Sokka, it's uh, they're they're the same age they're closer in in age and they have more in common and i think that surprises them how well they they get along but from a character standpoint i like the fact that the writers haven't just made Sokka forget about the invasion and like his feelings about how it all went down because of course he's gonna have some feelings of that it's his fault that the invasion failed. That's just what Sokka, Sokka is like, whether it's like justified or not, you know? So I like that, again, they're managing to uh, address a character's feelings while also creating more story and more plot to kind of move things forward. So I just think it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. On the way to the prison, um, it's extremely awkward to say the least. Sokka and Zuko eventually talk about girls, and after Sokka tells Zuko what happened to Yue, we get the classic line, that's rough, buddy. I just love how, like, he thinks about it for a minute, and he's like, you know what, it probably fucking happened, just knowing these people, what little I do know about them. Of course that would happen to them. Yeah. And it's also just, like, Zuko really trying, again, to be, like, socially capable of you know like like sympathizing with someone's emotions but what would you say in this situation if someone told you that like their girlfriend turned into the moon <laughs> well it's different from me it's different from me saying that's rough buddy and zuko saying that's rough buddy it's just like 
it's it's just so uh he's trying bless his heart god bless him god bless him <laughs> <laughs> so after a crash landing, they infiltrate the prison unnoticed and they steal some prison guard, uh, Fire Nation prison guard uniforms and helmets. And as they're impersonating the guards, they are ordered to oversee a fight breaking out in the courtyard. The guard forces Sokka to come with him to put a prisoner, Chitsang, in the cooler, leaving Zuko in the prison yard. This is the cooler is a special tool that will help us later, except not really help us. When Zuko and Sokka meet up later on, Zuko tells Sokka that he asked around and, there, and that there are no water tribe prisoners located in this prison. Um, Sokka is, of course, devastated and thinking he is like yet again failed. But Zuko tries to cheer him up by imitating Iroh's wise sayings about clouds and a silver sandwich. Um, I don't know what it is about this episode and Iroh and Zuko trying to emulate Iroh's jokes <laughs> and wisdom, but. It's God, it, God either way, him. it doesn't work. <laughs> also, he's like, also, I just love the fact it's like, even I wasn't making any sense to myself. I'm glad you made some sense of it. Like, I mean, I kind of got, I got the gist of I what he's saying. Like, it. you gotta, you, I think he was trying to say, like, you gotta accept the good and the bad in a situation and focus on the, the middle. I don't know, whatever. This does cheer Saka up, not this like weird thing about a silver sandwich, uh, but because <laughs> he sees Suki in the courtyard. Um, so Suki's not dead. I mean, we know she wasn't, but. You know, first time viewers are like, is she dead? Is she not? She's not. She's yeah. not dead. She's okay. Guys, she's okay. Yeah. Sokka locates Suki's cell afterwards and enters while wearing his helmet. Um, he attempts to kiss her, but trying believing... Trying to, like, trying to imitate, like, from the episode of The Serpent's Past, where, like, he runs in, like, where she runs into him at the station. That's what he's trying to do. She oh, says yeah, yeah, to him, yeah. like, she's like, well, what do you do? You know, tries pulling, like, the... Oh, exactly. Exactly. Because he didn't recognize her with her, without her makeup on, so, like, you yeah. know... That's, yeah. He was trying to pull that off again, but mm -hmm. didn't uh, work. <laughs> yeah, so he he tries to kiss her, uh, but she thinks that he's still a Fire Nation guard, so she attacks him, knocking his helmet off in the process, and she realizes that it's Sokka, um, and she says that she knew he would come, um, uh -huh. which is, uh, after reading Suki alone, takes on a whole other meaning, because Azula flat out told her that no one is coming to save her. Yeah. Um, so again... And some... also Azula then using, like, the line, you know, it's like, oh, yes, she always thought that you'd come to rescue her. Like, that, that also just adds to it, yeah. too. So Zuko spots a guard coming and tries to warn Sokka with some knocks on the door of the cell. Um, Zuko tries to keep the guard out, first with an excuse, before trying physical force. So they're, like, full-on fighting. Sokka comes out, um, and he helps the guard arrest Zuko to prevent suspicion, uh, but whispers to him that he will figure out figure something out. So, so Zuko allows himself to be captured. Wow. Later on, Zuko is interrogated by the warden, who knows Zuko because the warden is May's uncle. Yay! Uh, <laughs> the warden states that Zuko had broken May's heart after Zuko led the Fire Nation, and that he intends to turn him into his father and collect the reward. So, uh, yeah, not mm. looking great. <laughs> Later on, Zuko and Suki are cleaning together, and Suki realizes that he is the person who almost burned down her village. And again, <laughs> cracked me up. Zuko tries to apologize and tells her, "It's nice to see you again," and then keeps moving. And I'm just like, "What a weird thing to say!" Oh God, <laughs> he's trying like, so hard to be nice. Oh, oh, God bless his little heart. <laughs> Sokka gathers the both of them for a plan, which Chit Sang overhears and invites himself in on as well. Because why not? <laughs> they, they plan to use uh, the cooler to ride their way out like a boat. Um, first, someone will need to unscrew the cooler self-free. And Zuko volunteers to do this by getting himself 
you know, basically thrown into one of them. And he is a special case because he's actually able to keep his fire bending because he has that technique Iroh taught him to use which his breath. Which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Which we've talked about. Yeah. And he manages to unscrew all the all the the bolts and the knobs and the cooler. Um, how he just didn't fall out, don't know. But um, I'm not worried about that. Um, as guards pass by, Zuko and Sokka hide and they overhear that war prisoners, new war prisoners are coming in the next day. Um, Sokka thinks that there is a chance that his father is among them and he ultimately decides against escaping and stays at the prison to break his father out uh, in the off chance that he might be there. Suki and Zuko agree to stay, which I love that Zuko agrees to stay with him. And Suki. Yeah, and Suki. Well, I knew Suki would, but you know. Yeah, it's still super sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chitsing goes with his like friends like, yeah, to try no, to escape. Bye. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> I don't care about y'all. And he breaks a piece of metal to use as an oar, um, but he's yeah. burned by the water and he yells out in pain. The Fire Nation guards are now aware of an escape attempt and they catch the cooler cell drifting away. Meanwhile, Sokka, Suki, and Zuko, Jesus Christ, Jesus hide and Liz. see the prisoners come out of the lift. And after a few come out, Sokka loses hope of seeing his father until one last person is called out and Hakoda steps out. And that's the end of the episode. Talk about a real, real cool. gamble. Yeah. <laughs> So much gambling going on here. Yeah. I was going to say that according to Avatar Wiki from one of the extras, um, people who were placed in the cooler who were firebenders, well, the only people who got placed in the cooler, but you know what I mean? People who got placed in the cooler would lose their firebending for up to a week. Oh, really? Like, yeah. According to the... So Avatar Wiki said this is from like the Avatar extras from I think the DVD or something. Mm. So... Interesting. Very high stakes. (laughs) I guess that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. So quick, I had to point that out because that was... On our minds. <laughs> cool. Awesome. All right. Well, that's part one of the Boiling Rock episodes. We're going to come back with part two after a short break. We'll see you then. Hey, everyone. Andre here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check to make sure you are following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And we're back with part two of The Boiling Rock. So as the previous episode established, Hakoda has arrived at the Boiling Rock prison along with other war prisoners. And he Sokka's very casual about tra- in his guard uniform trying to get over to the area where his mm-hmm. father's being held. Uh, the warden then proceeds to give an intimidation speech and kicks Hakoda down to display his power. But Hakoda manages to trip him, which super satisfying to watch mm. uh Sokka then visits his father in a cell and almost gets beaten up again this time because <laughs> because of the prison guard uniforms and really needs to take that off before take lift the visor before he goes in next time yeah um Hakoda then reveals that others who are a part of the invasion force are being kept near the palace in the fire nation and that he was singled out as a leader of the invasion force and was sent to the boiling rock. He then tells Sokka that he ran the other Kyoshi warriors and true dad fashion does not remember the proper name for them. The, the Oceanama fighters? Like that, that's not even close. <laughs> no, he tries. Uh, Sokka then fills him in on the Zuko situation. Uh, he's like, I don't know. He's, like, he's like, you know Zuko? He's like, yeah, I know of him. Yeah, well, he's on our side now. Like, He's just, like, <laughs> mm. he's, he's like, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised too. <laughs> I love that so much. All right, well, I just, uh, I just like that we we also get just a little glimpse into how Sokka's feeling about the situation. Because at first he was just like, well, as long as he helps us defeat the Fire Nation, I don't really care. 
But now he's yeah. just like, yeah, I'm actually coming around to him. You know, he's kind of cool. He's like really proven himself. Yeah. Which he has. And he yeah. gives a lot of I didn't talk about this in the first first part. He gives a lot of actual great Iroh inspired advice that he doesn't yeah. attribute to Iroh. Like about how like Sokka like ha- like has to think things through, which he doesn't. He didn't. Mm. And how like he can't just give up without trying, you know, like yeah. it, that's all Iroh inspired with a little bit of Absolutely. Zuko in there. I love that. And his and experiences. Also the fact that Zuko does say like, yeah, Iroh was like my, you know, probably like a he's been a much better father figure to me. Like he even says mm-hmm. that to Sokka in the first in the first part. Yeah. So meanwhile, Chitsang has been put back into prison after attempting to escape in the cooler. And the warden interrogates him into telling him who came up with his escape attempt. He tries to hold his ground, but the guards torture him by holding him upside down in his chair until he reveals the identity of the mastermind. But obviously he doesn't know Sokka's name or, you know, just didn't... He's He's also... He manages to keep his word. He doesn't squeal on him. Yeah. Uh, so Sokka tries to reach Zuko and tell him the escape plan. But two guards show up and tell him that they're taking Zuko away on the warden's orders. He then earns 10 seconds to rough him up a little, which this <laughs> next part, they pretend to beat each other up with. It just cracks me up watching that. I like I forgot that happened. Just a very underrated moment in the series, I think. Uh Zuko then gets dragged away to another room where May is waiting for him. Mm. Mm. Surprise, bitch. But you thought you'd seen the last of me. <laughs> she's she's pissed off and rightfully so for breaking up over the this world's equivalent of a text message because let's literally, <laughs> literally left her on red. Anyway, he tries to tell her why he did what he did, but she's not having it. She thinks that he's betraying the Fire Nation and he tells her that he's out to save it. Sokka then visits Suki again and tells her the plan to commandeer the gondola by taking the warden hostage and using a distraction with the prison riot. Mm-hmm. I think back on the on the May thing, when I was watching the scene, I think May understands why he did it, but she's still like, I I'm still pissed that you did yeah. it. Yeah. Well, like she I kind of she doesn't say it, but I I truly think we I I we need to give May credit here and, and Yeah. I think she definitely understands um, mm. what's why he did what he did. Well, I mean, you see what she chooses to do in the end of the episode. So. Right, because May also is like realizing that the, the same things that Zuko realized probably even sooner. But, you know, she had really no motive to kind of escape that life. And she was also in, in cahoots with Azula. So... You know, kind of hard to. Yeah. It's kind of hard to. Yeah. Well, the guards then tell him that the warden wants to see him, and he lines him up along with other guards, and with Chits with Chitsang being asked to show the imposter, but he points out the wrong guy keeping Sokka safe. So he is a person of integrity, mm-hmm. uh, and also because he he knows that wants- Sokka will come up with another way to escape. Exactly. <laughs> he has some integrity. Okay, let me let me give him some credit. Yeah. So they pulled the wrong guy away to get into into the interrogation room. And cue the bell. Azula's here. Like <laughs> not only the bell, it it the music starts playing like even a couple of seconds before it pans over to Azula, which I love. Yeah, I love. Yeah, the music is telling you exactly who it is. Yeah, but damn, she takes literally one look at the guy and immediately knows that he's not involved with the escape attempts. Like he says like five words, and she's like, "That's not the guy." I'm like, yeah. 
And then, and then I just love how it's like, you know, and then also like, you know, the words like, well, how, like, how do you know? She's like, I'm a people, like how they say, I'm a people person. I'm a people person. person. Uh, and, such a great oh, line. Just also just the delivery on it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, oh, mm. Sokka then manages to trick a guard into bringing all the prisoners out of their cells during the lockdown and meets Sakota and Suki outside to start the riot. And this is also one of the most underrated moments of the show where Sakota tries yeah. to start a riot by shoving <laughs> a guy over. And he's like, that really hurt my feelings. Yes. He's been working on his, you know what? Good for him for working on his anger management issues. I love that. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Uh, but then Chitsang joins and he's like, okay, yeah, I want to be an in on this next escape attempt. Uh, and then he's like, so what do you need me to do? He's like, okay, I just need to, I need to start, we need to start a riot. He's like, okay, hey guys, riot. <laughs> like, literally. It's, it's wrote, super funny. <laughs> I wrote this note on our show notes that said, it's like a D&D thing. You roll for persuasion uh-huh. and like the dude gets a nat 20 right off the bat. Like, oh my God, it works so funny. absurdly well. And I love it. Um, a guard then gets sent to May to protect her during the riot and while they're distracted Zuko manages to run out of the room and lock May in and he rejoins the group uh, the boys then bicker over Sokka not thinking things through and then Suki's the only <laughs> smart one she's like okay here's our distraction I'm going after the warden I love this because Sokka is like you told me it was okay not to think things through and, Zaka, and Zuko's like maybe not everything but this is kind of important to think through <laughs> <laughs> I love it and then meanwhile, she's like just, you know, just being just this badass superhuman person and just literally runs on the heads of the people like who are rioting in the square. And, and literally the scales warden. up the wall like fucking Spider-Man. Oh, I, love I love her. It. I love Suki. We love Suki here. You stand. Uh, I also I did point this out in a previous episode. But I want to point it out again. Um, FCE, the author of the Kiyoshi books, intended to include a scene in the shadow of Kiyoshi that linked Kiyoshi's dust, dust stepping technique that she learned from the Flying Opera Company to Suki's head running technique from this particular episode. But the scene was cut. However, it's canon in my mind that this is yeah. so we do kind of get to see a little bit of the evolution of dust stepping. Yeah, I love this. that, and I, I I'm taking it. That that it was super cool. I, I wrote a note, God, I missed Suki mm-hmm. <laughs> on our show notes. She then manages to take the warden prisoner and they make their way out to the gondola's warden in tow, which allows them passage on board. Zuko then breaks the lever to prevent the guards from going after them. But of course, Azula and Tylee are there, so their situation is a little screwed. Yeah. Azula literally jets off, which have we seen this in the show yet? Where like no. Like the, so I don't think so. And it I think it's even more apparent that. Zuko did not use this technique. I think Azula is probably the only ones that can really kind of pull this off. Yeah. Without the help of a, a comment. Exactly. Damn. Because, you know, because that takes a lot of, like, chi to, like, keep that fire going to, yeah. to the point where it, like, lifts you off the ground, you know? Yeah. And also concentration, too. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Tylee's just literally running on a fucking tightrope, which, remember, she was from the circus, so she, mm-hmm. of course, she could definitely do that, which, amazing. I mean, I, I shouldn't be saying how amazing they are, but they are. <laughs> Suki and Zuko and the others gear up for a rematch against Azula. Like, literally, like, Suki's like, oh, I've been waiting for this. And Zuko's like, me too. Like, I just love that, like, they both are just have, like, plenty of beef with Azula to deal with her. Uh, Suki and uh, just holds her own against Tylee, which they also have a really cool fight, which I think is super underrated in yeah. the series. Yeah. Like, she's able to hold her own against a chi blocker. Like, amazing yeah and i um, think i think there's a couple of moments i think where zuko utilizes some of the techniques from the the dragon dance too um, oh, i didn't even think of that yeah and i don't think i would have caught that if we just hadn't watched the episode um so yeah that's a really nice detail as well 
also quick side note the fact that he uh, Zuko left training notes for Aang to be like you gotta take do this many squats every time you hear this frog croak like <laughs> yeah one hop squat two hop squat yeah the warden manages to break free and yells to his guards to cut the line fully knowing that he wouldn't survive the fall like shit uh, Azula and Tylee then jump onto the next approaching gondola as the guards continue to cut the line but suddenly, May appears out of the blue to, quote, save the jerk who dumped her. May once again shows off her prowess against a shit ton of vendors. Like, mm-hmm. good for her. Uh, meanwhile, back with the rest of the group, because let's face it, I do not want to say all their names again, because that's just, they're just too similar together. So the rest of the group throw the warden back onto the gondola before running off. Zuko then finds how, you know, Azula got there, found her war balloon, and escapes on it. Uh, Azula and Tylee then arrive at the platform. Azula then calls out the guards because she wants to deal with this herself, which, whoo. Mm. Yikes. We could already see that Tylee is indecisive of what to do next. Like, she literally see her, like, looking to the both of them, like, anxious and all that stuff. So, like, we see her making the choice before she does. Azula then asks May why she did what she did, fully knowing the consequences. Mm-hmm. And May simply replies with one of my favorite lines from the whole series now. Yes. You miscalculated. I love Zuko more than I fear you. And Azula clearly does not like the sound of this. This is and, the the look on Azula's face. Yeah. Like this is, I would say the first time someone has like, in like bluntly in her face defied her. Yeah. Like I, I just love it. I love it. Animators, thank you for being so expressive with that. Like, obviously, the voice acting is fantastic, but let's give some credit to the animators who are also have have a role in acting as well. Yes, yeah. Um, and she says, like, no, you miscalculated. You should have feared me more. And then, like, Azula t- attacks May, but it's just she's suddenly disabled by Tylee Chi blocking her. Which that was the biggest holy shit of the entire episode. Even though I knew it was coming, it's still like a yeah worthy of just being like holy shit. I think it's the plot twist of the series. Honestly, Absolutely. like oh my god, I love it's it. It's Still good. It's still so good. The guards then surround them, and Azula orders them to take. To May entirely away to rot so she'll never see them again. Yeah. I just, I, I also love this because it is like preparing to put in the work of getting Azula to the point where she trusts nobody. And there, I think even in the finale, it's brought up that like Azula, um, May entirely like betrayed me and something like that. Like, I think, yeah, I love that. Even when we see her, um, I think in the next episode, she's visibly a lot more unhinged <laughs> and i think that's it just this whole thing makes her super paranoid you see that first no- note of that with her like mm-hmm. you know snarling at may that she should have feared her more yeah you yeah. know and i think it's the reason i'm not to get super ahead but i think it is the reason that she ends up actively going to show up to the western air temple instead of because she said like they'll be back you know, in the invasion episode. Yeah. But I think this would just like made her super paranoid. She's like, I'm just going to do things my own way and just go after them myself, you know? Yeah. So, something's, yeah. yeah. Even though there yeah. isn't a, du- a direct link leaking those two of I think that's definitely what is meant to be like implied. Like, I think this really messes with her quite a lot. Yes. Absolutely. Because they were her only like real 
the thing closest well, to friends that she could get. The closest thing she had to real friends. Yeah. Because let's face it, friendship that's built on that much fear is not a friendship. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. But the closest thing she was ever ever really had to close but friends I, and connection to other people. I would I would even I would venture to say that I do think Azula in her own weird twisted way, and maybe not a whole lot, but I think she like did kind of care about May and Tylee. You yeah. know, like in however way she is and the way able that, to the love. best way she's capable. Yeah, in the way that she is is capable of. Yeah, which that. is not healthy and extremely toxic. But oh, to no. her, that's how she, that's how she learned, right? Like you love people mm-hmm. through fear. That's how she learned. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a lot of things. It happens really quickly, Damn. but it it like tells you a whole lot about Azula. Yeah, exactly. So Zuko and Sokka arrive back at the Western Air Temple with, from their fishing trip with Hakoda and Suki in tow, and the family reunites, and Toph's wondering why they didn't bring any fish, <laughs> any meat. <laughs> the episode ends with her being like, so you guys didn't bring any meat home? That like, would have been me. No, um, <laughs> I love I love Sokka uh, when they asked him, did you get any good meat? And he said, yeah, the best meat of all, the meat of family and friendship. <laughs> It literally has oh, the same yeah. energy of like it's it's not the journey, but the friends we made along the way. Like it's exactly. like exactly, yeah, but worse, yeah. <laughs> then the episode ends. Um, so that was the boiling rock parts one and two. Before we move on to our next segment, um, I did want to point out. Thank you, Avatar Wiki, for providing all of these fun facts. Uh, the boiling rock is actually inspired by Alcatraz, which was also an island prison known as the Rock, and also boasted no escapes. Mm. So there's that. Cool. Um, so yeah, interesting history facts. And that's it. That's it for our recap. So what was our bell count this week? Um, so for the first part, we didn't get any because Azula didn't show up. Uh, but we got four whole bells um, when Azula did show up in the next episode. So let's give it up for four Azula bells. And that puts our new total at 51. Cool. Yeah. That's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so glad that we implemented that. Like, I remember you sent me the video of the bell, like, being like, yeah, there's like this cue whenever Azula shows up that, like, Mm -hmm. now once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Exactly. So I just love how it's made into its own way into the segment. I'm going to miss this when we're done. I know. Uh, I know. The series. I also, I love coming close to the end. I, yeah, I love it, but I also get a little paranoid while I'm watching. Like, cause I'm, I, I'm, I, you don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to forget. So when I'm watching, if I hear it, I go, and anytime I hear it, I go, I just keep it on, like, keep count on my fingers the whole time I'm watching the episode. I just write it down (laughs) in the thing. I put down one, and then if another one shows up, I race and put two. Like, yeah. Behind so. the scenes factoids for all of you who are interested in the making of this podcast. And then it's worse because you're like, does that count? Does that? And like, no, is that it, doesn't count. Quite, yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. So, well, on that note, let's scooch over to our fandom corner from one of our patrons, CJ. So CJ writes to us, hello, my name is CJ, and it's safe to say that I'm a big fan of your work. I've been loving the podcast recently. Thank you. And it's been giving me a ton of extra views and insight into the Atlaverse. So I thank you greatly for that. Thank you for saying such nice things to us. Mm-hmm, I appreciate that. Uh, their question for us is, is there any element subbending that you could think would work as a non-fully exclusive? So for example, lava bending could be interpreted as a fire earth hybrid skill, 
but the bender either needs to be the avatar or needs a parent of each element to pull it off, so giving potential for both Mako and Bolin to lava bend. The question also thinks some like new sub-skills and pre-existing ones, so they'd love to hear our thoughts on this one, and they give us glowing regards. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think there's this debate has been going on for a while. Um, I kind of go back and forth on like how how like in like water bending, like you can make the ice like you make the water colder and turn it to ice. I just mm-hmm. thought of lava bending as like the reverse of like making the rock or the earth hot and turning it into lava. Um, mm-hmm. but it brings up it does bring up a, a good question because the only time we see someone lava bend that isn't an avatar is Bolin. Yeah. And he does have fire and earth lineage. So I maybe that does have something to do with how that person is able to lava bend. We don't know a whole lot of love about lava bending. We don't know if it's as teachable a skill as metal bending. Um, well, we saw that Bolin really struggled with metal bending. Right. Though, so maybe it's a kind of intuitive thing maybe as well. Right. I yeah. Know. I don't know. And I don't know if, if we'll see more instances of lava bending in the comics or anything. Um, but yeah, but it did get me like thinking like I like in a, like a giant, like weird, like aluminum hat theory. I think the longer (laughs) this universe goes on, um, aluminum hat, did I say aluminum hat? Tin hat. Same thing. Aluminum Um, foil is close. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Um, I think the longer this universe goes on and the more and more the lines are blurred between the elements. I do think there will be more instances of hybrid bending um, just because of the fact that those it, it's unclear whether bending is solely genes or solely just spirituality. But I think the, this universe will come to a point where hybrid bending like lava bending will become a lot more common Um the same way, like, it's not quite the same, but like how metal bending became more common, lightning bending became more common. I think more hybrid skills like that um, with the correct lineage and the right genes, I definitely think there will be more bending techniques that will toe the line between different elements than just sticking to one. Um, hmm. I think that's probably kind of one of the most obvious ways to advance the universe. You know, how long this will take, I don't know, but... Um, but it could be a really cool premise, especially if it gets to a point where people are borderline bending two elements. You can throw in the thing of like, well, how does that affect the role of the avatar in, in a world where their their like thing about being the only one to bend four elements isn't like that, you know, unique anymore, you know? Like how mm-hmm. how much of a how much of that plays into the role of being an avatar? Like I think that could be interesting to explore. Um Damn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I took that. I love it. Have you been giving this a lot of thought? Yes. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got nothing else to contribute. You just blew whatever I had to say out of the water. Okay, I'm really sorry. Have a whole lot. <laughs> Don't apologize. I really honestly had no idea how to respond to this. I was like, um, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So th- thanks for thanks for doing the, the heavy lifting on this question. Because I, <laughs> honest to God, had no idea how to answer it. So. You're, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much, CJ, for submitting that to us. Uh, again, we really appreciate any and all, you know, respectful feedback mm-hmm. on the show. Any questions that you'd like us to discuss? Any theories? Uh, hell, we even take memes. We love memes here, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we'll let you know at the end of the episode how to get in touch with us if you have anything you'd like us to discuss on the show. And of course, um, 
What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, it's also linked in our description for the episode as well. Mm-hmm. So, And just a quick, um, I guess, reminder for people who are sending in stuff. Um, we've gotten a couple of uh, sentiments from... It's not just one person. It's like a couple of people um, who have been like apologizing for messaging us too much. No. Uh, you do no, not no, no. need to do no such thing. And I know it's hard because I have I've been guilty of that in the past like i've messaged in podcast i've also apologized for you know doing that and every single time they were all like no no no, don't apologize like this like we love this and especially this podcast that celebrates fandom and really wants to include fandom in our discussion about this because that's what's kept avatar alive um yeah there's no such thing as as like messaging us like super super often or whatever like i encourage we love it to get messages yeah we, we love, love to get getting messages. messages it just it just it, it just means that like people care enough about what we're doing uh, exactly and the stuff that we love which is the avatar universe mm-hmm. that like you know they're taking time of their day to reach out to us like that is huge like yeah. and wow, you could be listening to a million care. you could be listening to a million other podcasts and you decide to listen to this one yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of avatar podcasts out there you, you know? yeah you listen and you also take the extra step of finding us on social media and messaging it's no such thing as too many messages you know i'm dead serious yeah we really appreciate it and there is no limit to how many times you can put in for fandom corner either like yeah you know if you've already sent something in for fandom corner send more stuff in like we we don't have a limit <laughs> right seriously and hopefully in the future we'll we'll um we we want to do like episodes that are just solely listener feedback and like solely listener theories and stuff like that so it's definitely if you have anything of the sort definitely send us in but yeah that was just my my little reminder to to all of our oh, listeners of course so that's good yeah because i don't want anyone to feel bad about sending messages to, to us don't feel so, bad. yeah cool all right, moving on to recommendations as we're closing out out of here. Kayla, what do you recommend? So since uh, around the time this episode will be released, getting closer to Thanksgiving and holiday shopping, if you haven't done it already, um, it's going to happen soon. So my personal recommendation is to shop local if you can. If you can't shop local, buy from small creators on Etsy uh, this holiday season because, you know, it's good to like support small local businesses if you're able to reach this local business. Um, for instance, one of the things that I'm going to be getting for uh, you know my sister is from like is like a small Etsy creator who does like Disney themed stuff, and she loves Ooh. Disney. So having something that's like smaller and more personal, mm-hmm. um, that's just my personal recommendation. It just you know it's a different way of showing you care about the person by getting something that's totally unique that they can't get in a store or anywhere else online besides you know etsy so yeah that's my personal recommendation cool so my personal recommendation is everyone go to netflix and watch downton abbey um this is this is one of the shows where i like completely missed the bandwagon um and i finally got around to watching it most most of the time, things have to end up on Netflix for me to watch it because <laughs> I don't feel I, like I, I miss searching the hype for train it. On everything, yeah, so. yeah, I missed the hype train on this one too. Um, but yeah, I listen. I loved this show. I loved it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, and I'm a sucker for a good period drama. Um, uh, and it's got like wonderful actors and wonderful storylines, and it's like slowly becoming my comfort show. Um, I finished it uh last week, and I started rewatching the entire show yesterday um so if you're wondering why i don't get to any of kayla's recommendations is because i just get too comfortable with one show and then it takes me a while to get sick of it um your life (laughs) but yeah if you're looking for something it's also it's a great just like holiday show to watch not that it's holiday themed but it just got it just got that like 
coziness um, and like low stakes plots to get you through the holidays. So I would definitely go and check that out. If you've been meaning to, if it's on your list, go and watch the first episode. I promise you will be hooked. And that wraps up our recommendations for this week. Uh, As always, if you'd like some more Avatar Hour in your life, consider subscribing to our exclusive Patreon for as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month. You can reach it at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Some of the benefits you can get include access to our show notes, the ad-free Avatar Hour, and our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. We have some great episodes on there. We Mm -hmm. talked about some potential we reacted to an article about some potential storylines that avatar studios could follow got pat i got a little heated for me on that end so i apologize (laughs) for that (laughs) i have a lot of emotions guys Uh, but some other great episodes include us reacting to avatar tiktok reacting to avatar halloween costumes uh taking a bender quiz on which bender we'd be like all sorts of cool stuff like that so go check that out the five dollar level on our patreon and of course, you can follow us on social media on Twitter at Avatar Hour and at the Avatar Hour podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And that's one of the ways you can reach us and send in Phantom Corner stuff. Yeah. And if you want your voice to make a special appearance on the show, feel free to record your theories or any feedback about the show on the Voice Memo app on your phone. And you can email them over to us at the Avatar Hour podcast at gmail.com for a chance to feature your theories on Phantom Corner. Um, but yeah, that's it for us this week. Um, so we are actually off next week for Thanksgiving. Um, we're just going to take a quick little break and then we will be back to recap the rest of the season. Um, which if I have the correct schedule is only three more episodes of the season left, um, of our, our season. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. but yeah, we're going to look forward to that, but we will see you guys in two weeks until then. My name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone.